the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Portions of this program are pre-recorded. It's Eye on Real Estate on AM 970. The answer. This is Eye on Real Estate, your premier source for real estate information. From the heart of New York City and the tri-state area to the most active real estate hotspots across America. Keeping you plugged in to the latest real estate market trends. From mortgage news and legal developments to everything you need to know about buying or selling a property. Benefited by the advice of the experts. Now, here's the host of Eye on Real Estate, the vice chair of Douglas Elliman, Dottie Herman. And we're back. You've been listening to Eye on Real Estate. And as promised, as promised, I'm here with our legal eagle, Steven. Steven, good morning. Good morning, Daddy. Uh, how was your 4th of July? Oh, it was great. Uh, thanks for asking. You know, we had a chance to spend some time with family uh, and enjoy the weather. And, uh, you have a little barbecue and and uh, and now back uh, back into the swing of things. Hopefully, you had a nice holiday too. I did, and I was just discussing with Stephen because I know he's got, and I really thank him so much for committing his time to helping keep everybody here informed. As he has three children, and his wife is a pediatric uh, MD, and so they keep very busy, and he manages to make sure that he uh, helps out and gives you all the advice that you might need. And um, obviously, his legal advice is very valuable, and I do uh, thank him. I want to just thank you so much for doing it, because sometimes you can get an attorney that charges by the minute. So um, sometimes we take it for granted, but the advice that Stephen gives really is invaluable, and I want to thank you for it. Um, Stephen, you want to talk about home inspections and what sellers should know about it, how to protect themselves, and what buyers should know about home inspections. Uh, and do you think, because I've read in a lot of articles, if you want to win the bid, bypass a home inspection? And, of course, my opinion is don't, but, you know, it's only an opinion. So you want to give us what your read is on how, what buyers should know, what sellers should know, and what your opinion is? Absolutely. Uh, you know, and I'm going to approach it, Daddy. I'll start with the buy side, and then we'll switch gears from the seller side. And, and so one of the first things is to understand your local market. And generally speaking, in the New York market, um, what people do is once they have an accepted offer, if they're going to do an inspection, and in a moment I'll talk about when you should really get one and why some people don't always, um, that you now do that before you sign the contract. In other parts of the country, people will sign a contract and maybe have 10 days, two weeks for an inspection period. So one, you got to know your local market and make sure you have your vendors lined up. Uh, the other thing to keep in mind is if you are in a jurisdiction where it is, you have a two-week window, let's say, to do your home inspection, it's very important to understand the contract terms. And this goes for both sides. 
of what scenarios are you allowed to renegotiate based on the results of the inspection or not. So very important to understand how that's read and have written, excuse me, and the jurisdiction. The next thing you want to keep in mind, I'll just make one other point on this, is the extent of the inspection. Some people like to use engineers. Some like to use licensed home inspectors. I'm okay in residential real estate with either one. The key is you want to make sure somebody is well-experienced and understands the market, but you also need to know are there supplemental inspections. For example, um, wood destroying insect certification, you know, termites or carpenter ants, is there a separate part to it? Um, what about inspecting a, a private well or a septic system or doing a, what we call a tank sweep to make sure there's no buried in-ground oil tank? So it's very also important to know the scope of the inspection as well, and of course, right on. I mean, it's, it's in my experience, and correct me if I'm wrong, that home inspectors don't really cover the termites, so that you usually have to get a specialist in termite inspection. Uh, it depends. Um, there is a separate licensing regime that one can get, so you can't. So, and, and this is a question to ask because some home inspectors will give an official termite certification, and you're exactly right, Dottie, some will say they don't have it, and you go to a separate um, pest control company to do their own termite inspection. Um, it so varies company by company, because it's a supplemental license to get. Okay, so that's a real important question to ask when you're looking for a home inspector. Do they do termite inspections, and if they don't, then you would have to get someone's a specific whole, uh, termite inspector. Um, but I, again, my advice, I wouldn't not have it. Okay. So what can you tell us about that? What should buyers know about an inspection and what should sellers know so that they, yeah. so that when, yeah, when so they have an inspection, they're prepared? Yeah. So the other thing on the buyer side, before we get a couple more things on the buyer side, and then I'll switch gear to the seller side, is also understand the work product that you're getting. When I started, I remember a lot of people, what they did, inspectors, they had almost like a checklist, and right on the spot, they had a clipboard, they checked some boxes, write a scribble a few notes, and there was your home inspection on the spot. And still some inspectors who do that, I would not recommend it. To me, a proper inspection report should have photographs. Your home inspector should be taking photographs, and that should be integrated into the report. A few other things to keep in mind and to ask your home inspector about is how do they look at the roof? Um, depending upon how complicated and how tall the roof is, some inspectors will actually go onto the roof. Others will actually have binoculars or sometimes even you'll see even a drone camera where they'll go up and be able to look at it remotely. But ask them, how are you looking closely at the roof? Um, the other thing to keep in mind is some inspectors do, and I'm a big fan of this, they sort of have like a red, yellow, green rating on mechanicals, right? With a red being, hey, this is either not working or about to fall apart. A yellow is where it's working, but you're getting near the end of the useful life, and green, things are good. And, and with that, I'll make one other point that I want to talk about, and that would be a good example to mention, is some inspectors, and you can talk to them about this, they'll even photograph the serial number of the major system and look up manufacturing dates to look up if there are recalls or so forth. And that's why when you talk to home inspectors, 
you'll see a pretty wide range in prices for the home inspection because you can get a really a, a real buffet uh, of, of services from them. And that's an important question. And, you know, sometimes people are so concerned about knocking it out so fast. And obviously speed is important, but you want to find out what you're getting. Now, well, had, true, had, but how does someone go about finding a good home inspector? So usually where it starts, and we've talked about this many times on the show, having a good team, a lot of time real estate agents have a few inspectors that they've worked with. And if I was a buyer, I would take those recommendations, but I would also, you know, look at them very closely. Um, unfortunately, i got to say, sometimes I, I know real estate agents who give out terrific references. I've seen some agents give out people who just try to knock it out quick and don't point things out. So you really got to cross-examine and you got to look up and really ask these tougher follow-up questions to the home inspector because that's one of the areas where you're going to see a real variance in skill set and servicing. And find out, is the person you're talking to the actual person doing the inspection? Is it somebody else? You know, what's their level of experience? You got to do a little bit of extra homework in that regard. Very important. Yeah, and, and Dottie, yeah, what I would really want to talk about is how does this interplay with the contract, right? So now all of a sudden you get this inspection report, and what do you do with it, right? Sometimes you're in a competitive market, and, you know, you hear statements like, we're inspecting just for safety issues. Well, until you sign that contract, you're not obliged, but you do have to be careful and say, and this is where you have to have that feedback loop with your attorney and with the real estate professional of just, how competitive was the bidding on this property and how much can I renegotiate? Because, you know, as we discussed during the break, you know, you can always find fault in anything. You know, you look at something close enough, there's always going to be a something. The question is, what's the real cost and having perspective on? Um, and, and you got to keep in mind also the timing of things. So now all of a sudden, let's go with the New York example. You did your inspection, you have your list. When's the appropriate time to bring things up? Because there's a big myth that I have a lot of clients that have said to me over the years. Not a big deal. My broker told me I have a final inspection before closing, so I'll bring it up then. And I'll say that's true but inaccurate. Yes, you should always do a final walkthrough before closing, but the purpose of that final walkthrough is to make sure nothing changed. That's not the time to renegotiate. It's not the first time to say, oh, I see some cracked tiles here, or maybe that item is not working so well, or the AC needs a tune-up, right? You bring that up at the beginning. You don't wait until the end and save that. Very, very important. Right, because the final walkthrough is just to make sure whatever that you have negotiated in your contract is the way it states. Like if, you know, I always tell people because I've had it happen to me where if somebody left, you know, I guess with the house, the wash machine, the dryer, the dishwasher, everything that came. And what the people did is they replaced, I think it was the washer and dryer with an old washer and dryer. So legally, the contract said washer and dryer, and um, there was one. So I also want to add, you should put, you know, if there's new appliances, you should put the name of the appliances and what they are. Um, but, again, that's not the time to negotiate. And, you know, Stephen, 
when you're, you know, we, we're, we're competitive in a competitive market, not quite the way we were last year, but I would read articles that says, don't have an engineer's report. You know, if you, if you, if you, you know, try to make no contingencies. Okay. Would you recommend that? You know, so a couple of things. First of all, you got to know the type of property that you're dealing with, and then you got to know your situation. So let's, um, let's deal with a couple situations. One, I want to separate a condo or a co-op apartment from a house, right? When you're buying a condo or a co-op apartment, generally speaking, and again, it will vary. Are you in a 200-unit large building, management, superintendent, versus, let's say, a small three-, four-unit co-op condo? So sure, there is a difference. But if you're in your typical co-op condo tower, you know, you can, get, you can live with that because the major systems are really handled by the building. And that's where it's sort of you have a feedback with the due diligence as part of what attorneys are doing. When you're buying a house, there is a lot of hidden issues. And generally speaking, I would not recommend not doing an inspection. Now, if a client said to me, I don't care about the state of the house because it's an estate sale, I'm going to knock down the whole thing, and the price reflects that, then okay, that's a logical answer then. Okay. But most deals aren't like that. I, I think at a very minimum, you don't know what you're walking into. And so you need to at least check for the safety and the structural integrity. And I'll tell you, I, I've seen it where there are foundation issues. I've seen it where people could get stuck with major water penetration flooding issues. You might have an in-ground oil tank, and once you buy the place, you own it. It is not an excuse after you buy a property to say, oh, well, I didn't do it. A prior owner or a prior prior owner did it. Or to come up with the excuse where, oh, the market had a lot of pressure and they didn't give me a chance to inspect, so I didn't know. The law does not care about that. You had your advisors. You had your opportunity. Take that opportunity. And it's sometimes it's okay. Look, no, no one's trying to kill deals as a general way of approach, but sometimes it's okay to say, wait a minute. I have a red line. I have a minimum standard of doing business. And if the seller can't give me enough of a courtesy to just make sure there's no big traps over here, then, you know, find something else. Agree. I, I, I agree. I, I don't think that you should uh, forego it, especially in a residential home, because there are certain hidden things. But again, you're not looking to nitpick for something that's uh, minuscule. I mean, you're looking for major things that are going to cost you a lot of money, because as I think we talked over the break, if you bought a new house that was built brand new, you would find things wrong with it. So I always tell people you should when you have an inspection, you should go along with the inspector, with him and or her, and then ask him, okay, with this, what is that approximately going to cost me? Because when you get an engineer's report, some of them are pretty complicated, and you don't know what the cost of fixing it's going to be. And I think you would agree that you're not looking to find a little thing here or there. You're looking to find major structural things or major things that are going to really impact the value. A hundred percent. Right? A hundred percent. And even also to learn the house. 
You know, if let's say you're coming from an apartment in the city and you buy a house in the suburbs, what's your skill set on changing water filters and changing the humidifier for the house? To which people are probably saying, what's a whole house humidifier? Right. <laughs> They're going to, you know, you know, buying salt for the water softener. By the way, what do you do? Because there's no super. If let's say you do have a pipe leak, do you know where the main shutoff for the water is for your house? Or is your circuit breaker box well labeled? Right. As it should be, but sometimes not always. And do you know what connects with what if you're going to do some work? Um, and one of the things I do recommend, and this is a common courtesy given, is, and this is a nice touch for the listing real estate agent to prepare with the seller, is a list of vendors, right? If you're going out to the suburbs, who's the gardener? Who's the handyman or the plumber or electrician that they may have used? And put together a nice list. It's a nice courtesy to deal with someone and say, by the way, look, you might ultimately find your own people. Here are the people who I use, and maybe you want to start with them till you understand the house and how it works. That is right? so, so that, that's important. a nice thing. No, it's not nice. It's so valuable. I can tell you, when I bought my house in the Hamptons, the builder was a spec house, and the builder left exactly what you said, a list of everybody who ever touched the house, including the woman who cleaned it. And I used all those people because I, I never had a house before in the Hamptons. So, okay, then 20 years later, I redid my house, and I kind of half knocked it down and started again. And the builder left me no names, no companies, I had all these elaborate systems that I had no idea how to use, okay? And, he, and, and I was constantly calling him. Oh, who did this? Who did that? What's their name? What's their phone number? So I, I can't tell you how valuable that list that the first builder who built my house gave me. It was invaluable, okay? Um, yeah. To be able to call people who actually did the work on the house. So that's the best advice I could. And maybe if the, the buyer or the seller doesn't think to do it, you might, after you're in contract, ask the seller if they would be kind enough to do that for you. Absolutely. And the other thing, Dottie, I'm going to say technology. What do I mean by this? Right? People, every couple of years or so, they trade in their cell phones for a new cell phone. Right. Imagine technology for house systems, right? Oh. Hey, somebody has a ring system for their alarm and lighting. What about the passwords, right? Let's say, for example, some have like a very detailed audio system in the components. Make sure that if the seller is taking some of them, you can actually get the right replacement parts or something to make sure the system actually works, right? Things are going to evolve over time, and you want to make sure you can get those replacement parts as needed. And, you know, there's a whole other conversation, which we'll get to another day. But what about people who put in solar systems, right solar roofing system maybe all of a sudden as we're seeing more electric cars people might have a whole you know like tesla wall unit battery for the house how does this all work there's a lot to it and are these items owned or are they leased out so these are things that definitely need to be checked to make sure you don't have a surprise later on because you think you're getting things but you're not necessarily getting things and and now and that's why Stephen, I have to say this, it's so important to use a real estate attorney who really knows those questions that you might not realize to ask. And before you continue, would you give us how to reach you again, your site, and how people can reach you? Of course. Best ways at the office, you can call 914-517-6941, or you can email me, sebert at com. 
I think we're coming up to a commercial break. Stephen is always too short. I mean, I, you could go on and maybe you can continue some of this next week because this is such an important subject. And I think we've run out of time again. But have a great week and we'll be back next week. Here at the Almond Joy Factory, where tropical vibes abound, we use soft, fresh-tasting coconut. The crunchiest almonds and delicious chocolate candy. Ah, but do you know what our most important ingredient is? Sometimes you feel like a nut. Sometimes you don't. Almond Joy's got nuts and something even way better than that. Yes, Almond Joy is made with almonds and joy. Keep your body moving with powerful nutrients to support your joints and overall mobility. Invite Health is here to save the day and your body with the best-selling Cartilage HX. Cartilage HX helps to maintain the health of your cartilage and promotes flexibility and mobility. This powerful formulation provides a patented form of type 2 collagen called UC2 that has been shown in clinical studies to promote joint comfort and strong, healthy bones. Just listen to what some Invite Health customers in the tri-state area are saying about Cartilage HX. I had a problem with my left knee and had to take baby steps going up the stairs. I'm almost normal now. Miracle! When I climb the stairs, my knees no longer hurt. Stay active with the help of Cartilage HX. Buy one bottle, get the other free, plus free shipping today. Call 800-673-2345 now to order. Again, that's 800-673-2345. 800-673-2345. Freehold Mitsubishi in Freehold Township, New Jersey, is proud to be an automotive leader in our area and sponsor of the Arthur Idala Power Hour. After driving ambition for 40 years in the United States, we believe Mitsubishi Motors now launches its most exciting lineup ever. Get thunderstruck by the all-new 2022 Mitsubishi Outlander. Get high style without the high price, plus an industry-leading 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain limited warranty. Choose from a wide selection of trim levels in either front-wheel drive or all-wheel control, all featuring the flexibility of third-row seating. With special finance and lease programs, you'll be sure to find just the right Mitsubishi Mitsubishi Outlander for you. Visit Freehold Mitsubishi today. Just a short ride from anywhere in the metro tri-state area. Visit FreeholdMitsubishi.com. That's FreeholdMitsubishi.com. Or call 732-863-2788. 732-863-2788. Freehold Mitsubishi. Now that I've got your attention, let me tell you all about us. Whoa, tough crowd. Anybody out there? Hello, anyone? Fighting to be heard in today's competitive digital world? It's time for Salem Surround. Let us handle everything and get your message seen and heard. Let's turn up the volume on your business with Salem Surround. For more information, go to surroundnewyork.com. That's surroundnewyork.com. Continuing with Eye on Real Estate, your premier source for real estate information. Here's the host of Eye on Real Estate, the vice chair of Douglas Elliman, Dottie Herman. We're back. We're listening to Eye on Real Estate. And we were expecting Dr. Murray Sabrin, but I'm not sure if he's on the line. So if he's not, I'm going to finish off with my home inspections that Stephen uh, Ebert started talking about. 
And when you have home inspections, and okay, I just want to finish and say that when you have home inspections, you know, I would make sure that you, one thing that I just want to ensure that the seller is good. If you're going to do a home inspection, which I recommend, you need to get it done quickly because the homeowner is not going to accept your offer if, you know, it's indefinitely and you wait three weeks to do it. So you have to get that done right in the beginning and maybe in the contract say, you know, uh, we will have the home inspection within three days before signing the contract or right after we sign the contract, no later than three days after. But you really don't want to sign the contract until you have a home you know, inspection and because you don't want to have it contingent, the home inspection, because then I think sellers might not take it. Okay. Uh, Mr. Dr. Murray Sabrin is here uh, with us, and uh, he is a public, he's an expert in um, so many things. I don't, I, I don't know where to, to start with all that you've done, Dr. Sabrin. Thank you so much for being on our show, Dr. Murray. But you say that there's a definite cycle to interest rates, and you've written about this extensively, including in your new book, Navigating the Boom, Bust Cycle, An Entrepreneurial Survival Guide. So where would you say we are now in the interest rate cycle that you talk about? Thank you, Dottie, for inviting me. Uh, I think we may be on the, the cusp of another 15-year cycle, similar to the one that began in the mid-1960s and didn't end until the double-digit inflation that we all remember, if we're old enough, about the, the early 1980s, when mortgage rates hit 15 16 18%, and the uh, short-term rates hit 21%. So uh, since we've been on a 40-year decline on interest rates, which bottomed out a year ago or two years ago, when the 10-year rate went to one-half of 1%, now we're over 3%. This could be the beginning of another long-term cycle that could last well into the 2030s. You know, it's funny you should say that. Earlier in the show, I was talking about that, and I said, when I bought my first home, I think the interest rates were like 15-something percent, and I took an adjustable rate at 11. I thought I had a great deal, and they didn't give you a commitment until right before you closed. And so when I hear the rates go up, and they're like, what, about five and a half, six now? I say, well, historically, that's really not so high, but your feeling is they might continue to continue to keep on going up? Well, that's right, because uh, interest rates, as you know, are driven by inflation. And since inflation's running at 8%, interest rates are dirt cheap. They're negative real rates we have, which uh, historically doesn't happen. When we had the high rates of inflation back in the late 70s and early 80s, interest rates were above that. Now, interest rates are below the rate of inflation, which means that it is, there's a huge incentive to borrow at these rates because uh, you're basically borrowing at uh, no cost to you in real terms. So if, so you, you think they could possibly, I mean, no one knows exact, but I, I know they're expecting another hike. I think they said like maybe two hikes this year, another hike this year. But, you, you know, in other words, six or whatever we're at now, about six, that's a far cry from what I remember because I, I, I do remember the times you're talking about when they were almost at 18% or 17%. Do you feel that we could really start into a cycle like that again? It's very possible. We don't know, uh, again, exactly what the Fed will do because what could happen? This is an interesting scenario that some people are talking about, but here's what could happen that the Fed raises interest rates, 
Inflation seems to moderate. The Fed then starts lowering interest rates in order to give a, a boost to the economy. And then we go up on another cycle that could, well be, that could last well into the end of the 2020s, which is very similar to what happened in the 1970s and early 80s. Uh, the Fed would had these stop-and-go policies. Interest rates were accelerating. They were decelerating. They, then they, they were accelerating and reached a peak, as we know, in 1980-81. And then, um, and then inflation rate went from 12% to 3% in a couple of years, which was great for the consumer, great for the economy, because we had the long boom of the 1980s and, and 1990s. So um, with interest rates reaching a bottom two years ago, uh, as they say, when things reach a bottom, they have nowhere to go up. And I think we, we're going to see possibly very dramatic rates, uh, increases in interest rates over, over the next decade. So I would guess that if you're a consumer and you're thinking of buying a home, better not buy something that you don't want and not to buy just to buy. But if you're thinking of buying a home in the next year or two, um, you should. And I guess if you're a seller, the same thing would be true. Well, this is where timing is very interesting. A year ago, I received an email from uh, a woman, a retired woman, I think, uh, in the South, and she was thinking of buying a condo. She had just retired, and she heard me on a radio show last year promoting my book on the bone bus side because she said, should I buy now? And I said, at these interest rates, it would be foolish not to buy, especially if you're going to live in a condo for a long time. So, again, it depends on the person's time horizon. If they're going to be living in the house for 10, 15, 20 years, obviously it's a good time to buy now because historically houses tend to increase 3 to 5% uh, on average over, over the long term. And some years we have very high rates of increase, as we did the past two years. Dadia, I live in southwest Florida. Uh, Lee County, where I live in, had a 31% increase in housing prices the past year, which is extraordinary. That, that means a lot of people have been priced out of the market, especially with interest rates going up. So, again, timing becomes very, very uh, tricky, especially uh, when you have rising prices and rising interest rates. So in your book, Navigating the Boom-Bust Cycle, and I know it's one of many, but that's your newest, what do you speak about and where can people get that? I'm sure, you know, they get it on Amazon and possible, but how do they get it? What, is, what, do you really talk, what do you talk about in that book? Well, it's basically a guide for entrepreneurs, whether they're a small business owner or the CEO or CFO of publicly held companies, of what to look for to determine how they should uh, strategize their businesses in order to prevent having a, a major impact on their businesses. Because we know during recessions, a lot of businesses go bankrupt, especially the uh, small businesses where they uh, don't have enough customers, they have uh, uh, high overhead, and therefore they, they have a, a, a profit squeeze. And so even for, for large companies, we're starting to see companies now laying off, especially in the white-collar area, Blue-collar areas are doing quite well because there's a, a, a lack of supply of blue-collar workers across America. There are 11 million unfilled jobs in the country, so it is a very strong labor market, to say the least. Companies have to raise uh, wages in order to attract uh, workers. And so this is a great uh, time to be in the, uh, in, uh, in the job market, especially if you're making a decent salary and a company wants to hire you. They may give you a, a $10,000, $50,000 bonus to come on, depending upon your skill set. So, again, uh, the boom-bust cycle has been with us really since the beginning of the republic. It really has been exacerbated by the Federal Reserve's policies. And in the book, I discuss what strategies that different businesses can employ in order to make sure they get out of a recession uh, in good shape so they can take advantage of the next boom that, that, is, uh, that occurs in the economy.
Well, that's so important. You know, I, I when I was younger, I worked for Merrill Lynch, and I, I remember that they always made us do business plans, and they were, you know, business plans for the next five years, and what's the worst scenario, what's the best scenario, and I was like, how am I supposed to know that? But wow. not that anyone can know the future exactly, but those are really important things to think about. Um, I know that I have a rental in Florida, and they increase they increase the rental because there's no limit on what you can increase a rental to in Florida. They they increase it four times the amount, and they sold out of the ones of the apartments that they had available. They were sold out, and well, I said sold. You couldn't buy them. You could only rent them, but they were gone, and. They and the owner was like, "Listen, I don't care if people move because I'm just going to get people that can really afford a lot more, and I'm going to change the whole environment." So Florida is like unbelievable. The prices that went up. I mean, it's like hard to believe. I mean, it really, it's crazy. Um, we we are in a, I think a very we are in a very strong rental market. I think it's going to continue for many many years because a lot of young folks uh, can't afford these housing prices and mortgage rates that are increasing. And uh, I think there are some people that are turned off by just owning real estate because they see all the issues that are involved in owning real estate. Uh, and so I think people, uh, young people, especially, and also people who are uh, retired like myself, we're renting down in Florida because after 40 years of owning, we decided not, not to uh, own anymore. And uh, so far it's worked out uh, fine for us. But uh, I think the rental market it will be strong all over the country, especially in uh, high-demand areas like the uh, Southern Belt. Uh, Boise, Idaho, believe it or not, is a very strong rental market. Uh, some uh, Midwestern states are also doing well, mid Midwestern cities. But Florida is just booming. I can't tell you, uh, Dottie, what's going on here. Uh, in our development, we see a license place from all over the country because uh, it's relatively affordable compared to uh, New York City and uh, San Francisco and Los Angeles and in Boston. And uh, me personally, I just wanted to get away from the cold weather in the Northeast. I've uh, lived in the New York metropolitan region for uh, since uh, I came to America in 1949. And uh, I decided uh, with my wife uh, that we should uh, live in a warmer climate. And so far, it's worked out well. And, of course, the taxes are great here because there's no income tax. To me, a state income, no tax, income tax is uh, the worst thing. And so um, you save money on the income tax. You save money on the uh, on other costs. And so, uh, as I told my wife, when we moved down here, there's no other place I would rather be in the country than, than Florida, especially where we are in southwest Florida. Can so you, everything can is we just hold that? Because we're coming up with a commercial break, and I want to finish that. That's an important point. Um, we're going to be finished and talking about where we are now in the interest rate cycle and where we will be going, where we think we're going. Relief Factor. Pain relief that works, pain relief that's real, pain relief that is liberating tens of thousands of Americans from their daily pain, in me included. But not just me, people like Yvonne from California. This is Yvonne's story. Both my husband and I are in our 70s and are so grateful to have found Relief Factor. We tried so many other solutions, but none of them have given us the freedom of being pain-free like Relief Factor. Just those two words, pain-free. That should be you. That could be you. Find out today by ordering the three-week quick starter pack for just nineteen ninety-five at relieffactor.com. It'll be at your door in three 
days or less. Take it morning and evening like I do. And I promise you Dr. G's guarantee by the end of those three weeks. You will know whether it works for you. If you have back pain, shoulder, neck, hip, knee or foot pain from exercise or even just getting older, you must order the three-week quick start now. Discount it to only nineteen ninety-five to see if it will work for you too. I think it could. Give your body what it needs to heal itself. Go to relieffactor.com. Call 800-500-8384. relieffactor.com. Summertime! Now that I've got your attention, let me tell you all about us. Whoa, tough crowd. Anybody out there? Hello? Fighting to be heard in today's competitive digital world? Anyone? Too often, digital campaigns fail because it's being handled by someone inexperienced. It's time for Salem Surround because our specialists break through all the clutter and put your message and your business front and center. Our team is the best of the best with years of experience and superior ideas and innovations. Salem Surround is obsessed with your success. No cookie cutter treatments here. Everything is tailored to you, your company, and your message. With Salem Surround, you get it all. From up-to-the-minute analytic reports and insight to managing every aspect of your digital and marketing needs. So let's turn up the volume on your business. Get started with Salem Surround today. For more information, go to surroundnewyork.com. That's surroundnewyork.com. Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation has opening for principal biostatisticians in East Hanover, New Jersey. Responsible for all statistical tasks on assigned trials and perform these tasks independently seeking peer input and review as required. Responsible for protocol development in alignment with the development plan, developing statistical analyses plans, reporting activities. Contribute to planning and execution of exploratory analyses and or PK, PK and PD analyses, exploratory biomarker and diagnostic analyses, and statistical consultation. Initiate, drive, and implement novel methods of innovative trial designs in alignment with the lead statistician. Resume to Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation. Attention, Bona Quoc, 1, Health Plaza, East Hanover, New Jersey, 07936. Reference job number ST636438. That's Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation. Attention, Bona Quack, spelled B-O-N-A-K-W-A-K, 1 Health Plaza, East Hanover, New Jersey, 07936. Reference job number ST636438. Continuing with Eye on Real Estate, your premier source for real estate information. Here's the host of Eye on Real Estate, the vice chair of Douglas Elliman, Dottie Herman. And we are back with a very special guest, Dr. Murray Severin, retired professor of finance at Ramapo College. Murray's new book, Navigating the Boom Bust Cycle, an Entrepreneur's Survival Guide, and it sets out a provocative excuse me, road map for right now as Americans grapple with all of this fear of inflation and recessions. So... Thank you so much for being on. It's such valuable information. So it, what do you think about then, in view of what you're saying, people investing in multifamily apartment buildings? I, I think it's a great investment because, uh, as I said, uh, the demand for there is going to be remaining high. The population is growing. People want to uh, – some people don't want to have a home for all the reasons that uh, they say. Uh, namely, they don't want to take care of it. They, want to, they don't want to pay property taxes. They don't want to be bothered with uh, uh, anything's going wrong with the house, so they uh, rent. And uh, the rental market is strong, especially in college towns, because uh, there are students there that want to live in their own uh, uh, residential uh, apartments. And so uh, you have – and then, of course, the baby boomers like myself, uh, we're retiring. Uh, we've, we're selling a, uh, our single-family house or condo or co-op, 
and we're moving into a rental apartment. So again, the market is strong across the board, and, and of course, the areas that are strong are in the, are in the south, southwest, some of the uh, midwestern cities. And I think uh, this these markets will continue to be strong for as uh, long as the eye can see, because um, the. The U.S. economy is is an engine of uh, prosperity, and uh, the people have different preferences for lifestyles. And so this is why the diversity of the economy is so magnificent in America, because people can achieve what they want, whether it's what the type of automobile they want, the housing, the clothing, the food. Go down a list of everything that's out there. People have enormous amount of choices, and, uh, and if we get the government out of the way, we would have even more choices. So true. And we were talking about Florida, and a lot of our listeners uh, are thinking of moving there or have a second place there. And I know that, you know, Douglas Elman opens a lot of offices there, so I was always there. And then when that kind of, when we had enough opened, I kept my apartment. And during the but I was never there a lot. But during the pandemic, it was a lot easier to be in Florida. When I got there, I thought I was in another country because it was so much a little like looser than New York. New York is so, you know, has such density and people rely on mass transit. So it was like I felt like I was in another country and I saw everybody from the Northeast there. So people said, oh, but what about what happened to Florida? And I, I can't remember what year that was, but maybe it was 2007, 2006, or where all the properties in Florida, they built. They built a lot of properties and, um, buildings and then there was only a few investors in them and then when people when the market went down the the there was the, those virtually went under but that's not the case anymore i mean i i i see people there really leaving and moving there because of the tax situation because of the climate and especially the baby boomers that you know have lived here and were planning to move to florida but maybe said you know what I'll wait another five years, another four or five years, and absolutely now is a wonderful time to buy. But I've seen the prices all over Florida just go up like, I mean, we're in New York, we're at pre-pandemic prices. But in Florida, you're way above pre-pandemic prices. Yeah, what's happened, Dottie? I think I think what's happened is very simply. People who've had houses in the Northeast of California, who've made a ton of money the last 10, 15 years, they're taking the proceeds of the sale of those houses, coming out to Florida and outbidding everyone, and prices just keep on escalating. I'll give you an example. There's a um, uh, a couple a couple near us. Uh, they they've been living in the area for a while. They saw a house two years ago for three hundred thousand. It's now five hundred thousand. Same house. So prices have gone up in some cases 60 70% in two years. This is unsustainable, first of all, and it prices a lot of people out of the market and, and keeps people in a rental property instead of buying a house that, that's 500000 today, which was 300000 two years ago. But not everyone is that smart to buy a house at 300000 and expect it to go up to 500000 But the point is um, rental developments are coming up all over the place in, in southwest Florida. There's a shortage of housing here, especially affordable housing, because the land has gotten very expensive. But uh, there is a lot of land where I'm living. Uh, every time uh, we drive somewhere and I use the GPS, you see a lot of greenery along the roads that we're traveling uh, in southwest Florida which means that these, these, these lands will be developed over the next 10, 20 years because people will be coming to Florida for all the reasons that we've already discussed. It's, uh, uh, it's probably one of the most attractive places in the country to live. 
I know. So what what do you feel the their role uh, what role does the Federal Reserve play in the boom and bust cycle, in your opinion? Well, they cause it, as I point out in my book. I, I explain how this process works. I mean, they have this mindset that they have to, quote, stimulate the economy by depressing interest rates. All that does is create a boom, which we saw during the housing and dot-com bubbles that end in terrible busts, especially the housing bubble. And now people have called this bubble that we're in since uh, 2009 the everything bubble. And as as you know, Real estate prices have gone through the roof. Artwork has gone through the roof, especially at the auction houses. Um, food prices are now going through the roof. Uh, when I go shopping with my wife, she says, look at these prices. They're up 2 $3 a package from, uh, from a few months ago. And then, of course, what's happened is we get shrinkflation, which is companies, instead of having a 16-ounce container, they now have a 15-ounce container or a 14-ounce container, but charge at the same price, which means that's a double-digit price increase. So the Fed... By pumping so much money into this economy, it generates this, this cycle. And then in order to prevent the inflation from getting out of hand, they cut back like they did during the housing bubble. And then you get a, a, a readjustment of the economy. That's what a recession is. It's a readjustment of the economy to, quote, normal prices. And then when they see the economy slows down, unemployment goes up, they start pumping more in. And so we get, we're off to another uh, cycle on the upswing. And this cycle keeps on repeating since the Federal Reserve was created. And uh, the question is, how long can this cycle continue until we get the big one? And the big one would be where you get a major downturn in the economy, comparable to the Great Depression, and um, and the people lose faith in the currency. And that's a terrible situation. Uh, that's when the Fed may put the pedal to the metal and just flood the economy with money. And then we're in the worst situation, a, a, a hyperinflationary depression, which would be a horrible thing for the economy. And that's why we need to tame the Fed in what they try to do, which is to stimulate the economy. The economy works very well on its own, Dottie. That's something I learned in 50 years of studying and teaching economics and finance. Leave the economy alone and we will have a, a sustainable prosperity. Well, you know, I read so many different articles, and who says we're in a recession? Who says we're heading towards bad times? Um, you know, everything kind of is, is nothing is really that concrete yet. You know, it's it's kind of like other than the fact that we're heading towards bad times or worse times, and that there's interest rates that are we know they're rising. But again, I've been around a long long time, so I when I hear five and a half six percent. It doesn't freak me out because I think, and maybe this is just my opinion, I think they left the interest rates so low for way too long. And mm -hmm. in the scheme of things, historically, I don't feel 6% is like astronomical. So, but my thought was maybe they'll go up to 7 but you think that they could go way higher than that? Absolutely. There's no question about it. I'll give you an example on a personal example. In 1977, we bought our first real estate property. It was a townhouse in central Jersey, and the interest rate was 9%. It was a brand-new development. And people said, that's a very high interest rate. And I was uh, in graduate school studying, uh, um, working on my uh, doctoral dissertation on inflation, by the way. And I said, I don't think there's you watch what happens in the next several years to interest rates. And, of course, from 1977 at 9%, we went to 18% in 1981-82. So we caught an upswing in the interest rate cycle uh, perfectly, and we sold the property. And uh, 
uh, moved on and then eventually wound up in Bergen County in 1982 and did very well by owning a house there for 25 years. So we caught the big upswing in the, in the housing market from 1982 to 2007 and basically sold right at the peak of the housing boom in 2007, not because I'm not smart, because we were ready for a lifestyle change. But um, so it really comes down to a personal preference of where you are in your life, what, uh, how much resources you have, uh, what are your goals for the next 5, 10, 20 years, depending on your age is, and, uh, and sit down and work out the numbers with your uh, spouse, your partner, whatever the case may be, and see where is the best place to live, one, location-wise. And second, what is the best type of uh, thing to buy, whether it's a single-family house, whether it's an apartment, whether it's a, a condo, whether it's a co-op. And so um, th- these are very personal decisions that you you can't give a one-size-fits-all answer for everyone because these are things that affect everyone in a very different way. But I'm I'm of the opinion that if I had to do it over again, Dottie, given what I know now about the economy, I never would have bought and used that money to invest in the best quality stocks for the last 40 years, and my net worth would be a lot higher than it is today, I can tell you that. Really, that's interesting because... I know that I always tell people you can never time the market exactly, uh, but I don't think that people look into as much as they should when they're looking to buy and where they should buy. And as I said, I, you know, I see the prices. You know, again, the Northeast a little different than Florida. They're rising, but they're not rising the same rates. But I, you know, I see some other states that are just kind of off the wall, and. Again, you're right. There is no specific advice that that one size fits all. You really have to sit back and look at your goals and where you are in life and how you want to live. You know, it's like, you know, even, you know, you have, you know, even when you're buying something, you know, you want to, you know, do you want to sacrifice going out or doing. But listen, before we go, I first of all, thank you so much. But I want to read your book. So I'm sure a lot of people, how do we get this book and where do we find it? Uh, the book is available on Amazon, and if you go to the publisher's website, businessexpertspress.com, and, and, and uh, search for the book, uh, there's a 20% discount with the code BOOM20, B-O-O-M-2-0, and you get a 20% discount at the publisher's website, businessexpertspress.com. Oh, maybe you'll uh, send me that information, and I'll post it on my website because it's a book everybody should read. And I thank you so much for being on the show. It was wonderful to have you, and thanks for the valuable information. Have a great week. Eye on Real Estate with Dottie Herman is sponsored by Citizens Bank N.A. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.